Hello, everybody, and welcome to Still No Plan. I'm your host, Jordan, and I'm here with Autumn and our wonderful guest today, Lily. We are super excited to have Lily on. We're going to talk about holistic mental health healing and wellness, um, specifically talking through uh, being a highly sensitive person. So, Lily, welcome to the podcast. If you want to take a second and kind of introduce who you are, how you got here. Yeah, thank you. So excited to be here. Um, when you invited me on the podcast, I literally binged like four episodes immediately and loved it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. So really thrilled to be here. Um, I, yeah, my name is Lily. I am originally from Rhode Island. I currently live in Austin, Texas, and I have had a really long healing mental health wellness journey. Um, and about a year ago, got an intuitive download that I should be a wellness coach. And so I went for it. Um, I got laid off this past December for the second time that year <laughs> and uh, was able to not go back to work and really start my business. So for the past like six months or so, I've been working on my business, which is called Cowgirl Holistic um, and focusing on reaching people, educating about highly sensitive people and just kind of sharing my journey and the things that have helped me because I spent a really long time struggling and not finding answers. And I don't want anybody else to have to go through that. Do you feel like the universe was kind of like forcing you into this by having you be laid off two times in what sometimes I feel like the universe sends us signs and it's like, you're like, okay, I'm going to get back to work after getting laid off this time. And then it's like, "Mm, no, we're going to lay you off again. A hundred percent. Yeah. I always say that, um, I obviously run my own business, but like, I'm not my boss. The universe is my boss. Um, I listen to the universe for all things and people often think I'm crazy. Cause I'm like, the universe told me to do this. Um, and yeah, it was very like divinely guided the way the last like two years have gone. Um, I moved to Austin and like really got into wellness. I had previously been running a skincare and beauty blog for like six years and literally just quit one day and started my wellness account and then um, got the download to be a wellness coach. And then I left my current job. I went to a new job and it was awful. And I was like, I can't wait to get out of corporate. Like I need to start my business. Like I'm so miserable. And then I got laid off from that job, which was actually a blessing Um, and they gave me like three weeks of pay. And then I had already been interviewing for other things because I hated it so much. And I Mm -hmm. got my new job like one day after my pay ended and we were in the process of buying our house at the same time. So there was no gap in my salary or anything. So we didn't lose the house. And then, um, I got my new job and I loved it. And I was like, I can actually be here for like four or five years. Like, I don't think I need to like leave corporate quite yet. And like, I can just take my time getting my business up and whatever. And then things were going super, super well. And they like completely suddenly laid off 20% of the company. And I was one of them. And, um, at the same time, uh, my aunt was like my person in life. She was the one who got me into my spiritual journey and was like my IRL guardian angel. Um, And she passed last year and she left an inheritance. And so I found out about the inheritance around like the same time that I got laid off. Um, So I didn't have to go back to work. And so 
I always call her my literal angel investor because she is an angel and has like invested in my life and my business and allowed me to do this. So it was all very divinely orchestrated. And I was like, okay, universe, I see you. Like it's time. Okay. I get it. (laughs) So yeah, here I am. That is so sweet. I, first of all, sorry for your loss. Um, but I just think that that is so beautiful. And like Autumn and I have talked, gotten more into kind of like being spiritual and trying to be more in tune with like the energies around us and the universe, like what's coming our way. And we've talked a lot about like, oh, I think this was maybe like a test and all these things. And so it was, it's really interesting hearing that. And I feel like sometimes you can be pretty comfortable in your job and it is almost way, it's way more limiting than being like unhappy in your job because you're like, I want to take this next step, but like, I'm pretty comfortable right here. But like, I know it's not what's right for me, but I am, I don't know. I'm like doing well. Why would I change anything? So yeah, I think that's really cool that you had that like divine kick in the butt. <laughs> go yeah, do for something sure. else. Um, but I would love to get into your journey as a highly sensitive person, more specifically, like how it sounds like you had quite the journey figuring it out. So how did you figure out that you were a highly sensitive person? What, like, how long was that process? What was kind of the final, like, oh no, this is for sure me. And like, how did you get, I don't know. How'd you get here? Yeah. Um, I always say that I've had like a 20 year journey, uh, and I'm only 27. So <laughs> my journey started when I was seven. Um, I, we like, so my brothers started having a lot of issues. They're five and eight years older than me. And so our house, like in my eyes, at least my memory became like suddenly very chaotic. And at the same time, I developed a bunch of symptoms. I started getting acid reflux and uh, joint pain at age seven, which is like not normal (laughs) and went to a ton of doctors, got tested for everything. They tested me for Lyme like a million times and they were like, I don't know, it's growing pains. Um, and then every year I would just collect more symptoms. So by the time I got to college, I had a, like a laundry list of symptoms. I had been to like all kinds of specialists and nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. They would always do my testing and be like, you're healthy. Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, and I was miserable. I was like, I had chronic headaches, migraines, joint pains, stomach aches, nerve pain, like all these things that were just kind of plaguing me. And I also got a lot of anxiety and like bouts of depression. And I was just like, what the F is going on? Like, I'm a young person. I'm like pretty healthy. I've always been into like yoga and exercise and like taking care of myself. And during that whole journey, I like fortunately had a very heavy involvement with my aunt who was very spiritual and then her spiritual community as well. So I had a lot of support and kind of was able to have a very positive mindset about it, even though it was something that was weighing on me a lot. And it didn't all really start to come together until I moved, uh, after college, I moved to New York city for a year and I had lived there for a couple summers before and I loved it. And then I hit like the five month mark in New York and I was so miserable. I was like filled with anxiety all the time. It was always loud. I couldn't get away from the noise. And I was just like, I never wanted to leave our apartment. My boyfriend was like, are you going to like go out and make friends? And I was like, no, that sounds terrible. Like I'm never leaving the apartment. I don't want to go outside. Um, And we were walking around the city one day and we walked into a bookstore and I found the book, The Highly Sensitive Person. 
And the back of the book was like, are you easily overwhelmed by lots of noises? Are you like, you know, do you get tired after doing errands and seeing people and whatever? Like it listed all these things. And I was like, yeah, that's me 1000%. And I immediately bought the book and there's a quiz in there. Um, And I took the quiz and I had like every single thing. And I was like, okay, so yeah, I'm a highly sensitive person. And it was such a relief to me because I think at least for me, having had symptoms my whole life, I was like, can somebody please diagnose me with something or like, give me any kind of answer. Like I need a jumping off point. Like I can't just be swimming in this mystery and like wondering why I'm feeling broken and like so terrible. Um, So highly sensitive is not a disease diagnosis or disorder. It's really more of a personality trait or like just a label that we can kind of identify with. But it was so helpful for me because I was like, oh, like I'm not the only one who's like this. And then had my boyfriend read part of the book, had my mom read part of the book. And they were like, oh my God, like I didn't realize that like this is how you were experiencing the world. Like no wonder you get so grumpy and miserable sometimes. (laughs) Like this makes sense. So yeah, that was kind of like the moment and the time where I was like, okay, I'm highly sensitive. Like this completely checks out. Um, and then I actually forgot about it for years. Um, and it wasn't until I was starting my business again. Um, I got like an intuitive download one day and I was like, oh, I should do like a series on highly sensitive people, like 30 ways to thrive as a highly sensitive person. And I posted the first reel on Instagram about it and like got flooded with follows and comments and messages and stuff. And I was like, okay, like this needs to be talked about. Um, So I kind of chose that as my niche because I'm into so many different healing modalities and different things, but anyone who identifies as sensitive or highly sensitive or neurodivergent or introverted or an empath, like any of these types of people will relate to the work that I do and like the journey that I've had. So I wanted something that was easy for people to connect with and like understand that like so many things can fall under that umbrella. And when you say intuitive download, like what does that look like for you? What is that? How does that present itself too? Cause I'm intrigued. I hear that like term a lot and I'm like, when is that going to happen to me? How do I get one of those? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's different ways that you, that intuitives will get information. Um, so there's like the, the different Claire's right. Clairvoyant, clairsentient, clairaudient, uh, and Claire something. Um, there's four of them, but basically it's like feeling, knowing, seeing, or hearing. Um, Mm -hmm. and for me, a lot of my intuitive guidance is a knowing. So, um, I kind of describe it like a, like a light bulb moment or like a Jimmy neutron brain blast. Um, (laughs) Like, or like a that's a raven, like when it like zooms in on her, like I, it's not as dramatic as that, but it's like, I'm just like, oh, I should do, I should do this. And it feels very, the energy of the idea is very light and clear and like sudden. It's not like I'm sitting there being like, what should I talk about today? And like list out things. And I'm like, oh, like I'll choose this. Like it really just comes to me. Um, same thing when I decided to be a wellness coach, I literally gasped out loud. I was like, I should become a wellness coach. And like, it's just these, like, yeah, it's like a light bulb moment for me. Um, and that's how I know that it's not coming from me. It's not like a thought that I conjured. It sort of just like dropped into my brain. 
Okay. So maybe I will never have one of those, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I will. Um, So once you said that once you found out you're a highly sensitive person, you kind of forgot about it for a few years. Did you like, after you read that book, did you kind of shift anything in your life to help accommodate those, those, I don't know, experiences or those overwhelming moments that you have being a highly sensitive person? Did you like make any changes at that point or how did that look? Yeah, for sure. I think up until that point, I had had a lot of pressure to like do what other people were doing. And I've always been very independent and sort of like done my own thing. So fortunately didn't always do what other people wanted me to do. Like I had already started to just do my own thing. Um, but it really gave me permission to like fully sit in that and be like, no, that's not right for me. And like, that's not serving me. And I'm going to be miserable doing that. So like, it's a no. And that doesn't mean that like other people can't go do those things or like that I had friendships fall away. Like I just would choose not to do those things and kind of explain to people like why or give alternatives. Um, and I definitely started to take care of myself a lot more. Um, and just realized that like my system operates differently than other people's. So like a day at the mall sounds really fun for some people. That's like my own personal hell. And so (laughs) just being really conscious about what I was doing and the types of friends that I was seeing. And I think especially, and I've heard you both talk about this on the podcast, like in your early twenties, there's a lot of pressure to like go out and party and do all these things. And that was never my vibe in the first place. Um, My brother is a heavy alcoholic. And so like, I just never resonated with party culture a lot, but I did go do it um, for some time and then realized like, no, that's like not aligned for me on so many levels. And so it really just gave me permission to live my life the way that I needed to live my life. I think I kind of want to go back to something that you say that also ties into this. The fact that you started having these symptoms when you were seven, I feel like makes the journey so much more difficult because for me, I had pretty obvious mental health issues as like a young child, specifically with depression and ADHD. And I think when you have things like that as a kid, it just becomes who you are. And so it's a lot harder to identify things that are variables or things that are problematic or things that could maybe be fixed or labeled in some way because people are like, Oh no, that's just her personality. Like she's just a grump when we go to parties or like, you know, she's just like, I, like I was like super loud and I interrupt people or like I would go and kind of have like big mood swings as a kid. And like, it was symptoms of depression and I would like start things and then all of a sudden not want to do anything. And I think there's something about like, I don't know. I don't know how we fix it. Cause it's also like, I don't, I don't think that the solution would have been getting me on antidepressants at seven years old, <laughs> but it's like, it's so hard starting a mental health journey as a kid because you just kind of get labeled that way. And so was that part of what you felt like growing up? And I think maybe part of the freedom you felt finally finding the actual label for the things that you were like, Oh no, this isn't like, uh, there's something wrong with me. This is like, there's a, bunch of people that feel the way I do and it's like no longer as much of an issue like was that kind of how it came about for you yeah absolutely I growing up my whole family always called me you know sensitive and like 
a drama queen and my brothers would call me a hypochondriac all the time because I was constantly getting new symptoms and they were like you're just doing this for attention and I was like no actually I'm like extremely miserable and would love to not be like this um and so yeah when I discovered high sensitivity I was like okay that makes sense like I'm not I felt for a very long time like I was broken and like I was crazy and I was just like wanted someone to validate that and to tell me what was going on because I was like I know I'm not making this up but like it was so hard to describe to people and I've always been like an extremely happy optimistic like bubbly person and so I think a lot of my issues and my suffering went unnoticed and then when I would talk about it people were like but you seem so good like you're so happy and like so you know productive and well adjusted and I'm like I mean yeah but like it's so hard. Like I'm not doing well. Um, so getting that label definitely helped me. Some people don't like to have labels and they're like, why do we need to label everything? And why do we need to, you know, it's just being human, which like I totally get, but for someone who felt broken for 20 years, I was like, no, this is really helpful. Like it's not my whole identity. It's just a piece of me that explains a lot of my experience and is like a much easier way to communicate to people what's going on with me. And it's, yeah, a lot of my healing journey was like undoing a lot of the things I learned about myself. Like I did get labeled as being bitchy and grumpy and moody and like all of these things. And I was like, I'm actually not. The times when I was not happy and bubbly and loving and kind was not me being a bitch or me being a bad person. It was me sitting and suffering and nobody realized that not even me until I finally did. And then I was like, Oh, and so it was a lot of like self-love came through and healing and grief over not having been seen for what I was going through and like being blamed and also blaming myself when like, I didn't have the knowledge or the resources to properly handle what I was going through. So you talked a little bit about your mom and your boyfriend and how you had them read portions of the book, but how have you communicated this to the people around you and like set clear, like, it sounds like your brothers used to give you shit. So like, how have you kind of changed that narrative with the people who have known you for so long and gotten them to shift like, oh no, this is just something we need to be a little bit more accommodating of rather than like, Lily's just difficult. Like, how did you get the people around you to make that shift? Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of what I teach is setting boundaries and like developing your own self-worth and confidence Um, because without self-worth and confidence, it's really hard to stand up for what you need and to like properly communicate that and feel really solid in it. And without boundaries, like people are just gonna, you know, push you around and do whatever. Um, so I think for me, I, I, I would say about two years ago, I like really had a wake up call. Um, I read another book called the deepest well, which talks about the effects of childhood trauma on your nervous system. And that really opened my eyes to like, I think the root cause of my being highly sensitive is a very dysregulated nervous system. And I was living in fight or flight for 20 years And so it was just like wreaking havoc on me. And so when I communicated that to people, I was like, I've realized that I'm living in a state of toxic stress and I really need to get control of that or I'm going to be sick for the rest of my life. So 
here's what I need. And a lot of that was setting boundaries with my family about like things that were going on within our family and just saying like, I love you and I want to keep talking to you and I'm here for you. But like, I can't hear about these things because they're too taxing on my system and there's nothing I can do about them anyway. And then with like my, well, my current boyfriend uh, is also an introvert and an empath. So like he just gets it and it's just like not an issue. Like we both are old people and don't <laughs> go out to drink and do parties and things like that. So like it was very easy with him. With my last boyfriend who I was with when I found out I was highly sensitive, I just was like, I can't go out anymore. Like it's not enjoyable for me. It's not good for me. Like you go have fun, but like I'm going to stay home and knit with our cat. And he was, he was like, okay, fine. Like we didn't have fun going out together anyway. And I think the people around me realized that if I was going to go do what they expected me to do, I wasn't going to have fun. And then I was going to be miserable and then they were going to be miserable. So I was like, I don't want to spend bad quality time with you. I want to spend good quality time with you. So here are like the range of things that would be supportive of me and we can go do those together. So I've, maintained all of my relationships they just like shifted slightly and I was able to much more clearly communicate like this is why this makes me feel bad it's not because I don't like you or because I don't want to do the things you want to do it's like here's the effect it's having on my system and like I'm working on healing that but for now I just can't go there and I think being able to articulate that was really helpful for people and just kind of like even if they don't have the same experience they're like that makes sense. Like I can see where you're coming from and can sort of hold that in a better way. You talk about this like nervous system dysregulation and living in a constant state of fight or flight, which I run very anxious. So I totally relate to that. Um, you have some series on your like social media platforms too, talking about like what that is. And, and I just want to kind of, if you could sum up what nervous system dysregulation is, and then maybe like I don't know, three things, the three best things that you could do or three easiest things you could implement to try to move to more of like a balanced nervous system state. Yeah. So basically your nervous system is what communicates between your brain and your body. So that's why we can't think our way better is if you tell your brain, you're like, we're Gucci. Like it's time to feel great. Your brain's like dope. And then tries to communicate that to the rest of you. And your nervous system is like, uh, uh, nope, we do not have what we need to make that happen. Like it's not happening. Um, so I had been doing like mindset work and stuff for years. And I was like, why can't I improve anything? And it was because my nervous system was just like all out of whack. Um, and I always describe your nervous system in two ways. Um, well, your nervous system, I describe like your inner child or like a child and your nervous system has been speaking up for its needs for years. It's been like, I need safety. I need trust. I need love. I need to be seen. I need basic needs, resources, whatever it is. And if it's been speaking up for years and not getting what it needs, there's no trust there. And so like, if you met a child who had been asking for what they needed for years and they've been ignored, and then you went to them and you were like, we're good now, we're Gucci, that child's gonna be like, no, we're not. Every time I say I need this, I don't get it. And I don't trust you, like, who are you? Like, no one's ever proved to me that this can happen. And so your system is in a state of distrust and like dissonance within your body. And, um, I always like to think of your stress or your trauma response. So like fight, 
flight, freeze, or fawn as like an overzealous knight. Like your your knight in shining armor showed up and galloped away with you to save you from the thing. And it just doesn't know that it can stop galloping. And you're like, please stop galloping. And it's like, <laughs> no, the danger's still here. And so those two things are working together. And if they're not on board with a feeling of safety and having the resources that they need, they're just gonna keep doing what they're doing because they still think you're in a place of threat. And so um, basically, to sum that up, your nervous system, when it's in a state of dysregulation, is it is experienced some kind of trauma or emotion or something that it can't fully process. And so it's either, you know, something happened to you that was too big for you to handle. And so you're, it gets stuck within your system or your system didn't have the resources that it needed to handle that. So trauma isn't always something really big and giant that happened to you. It can be a lack of resources. It can be, I really needed a hug when this happened to me and I didn't get that hug. And so it gets stuck in your body. It can be like really small instances. Um, so your nervous system is just like, it goes into this response and it can't get out of it until it feels safe. And so um, something that, that I teach is like the very first step to regulating your nervous system is to create that safety and that trust within your system and to get your mind and your body and your nervous system like all on board together. And the best way that I found to do that is to really honor your basic needs. And a lot of people, especially highly sensitive people, empaths, people pleasers, like we ignore our needs. We're like, I'll do that later. People need this right now. Or like other people are able to do this. So I should be able to like, I'll push this off until later. And so the first step is to really be mindful of what your body is telling you that it needs and give it to it when it needs it, not when you find it convenient. So like, if you're hungry, eat now. If you're thirsty, drink now. If you need rest, rest now. Even if that's just for a minute, close your eyes and take a minute to just lay on the floor and rest or something. Not like, okay, I hear you body, you need rest. I'll do that later tonight and push it off because every time you ignore those needs, you're still maintaining that level of distrust and dissonance within your body. So you can start to build trust by just really honoring what you need, even if it's something so simple and like giving yourself that in the moment and building up that trust again. Um, and then the next step after that is to find ways to regulate that you really enjoy. And a lot of what we see in like the wellness and self-care industry is all regulation tools. It's just not packaged that way. So it's like, you know, take an ice bath and you're like, that sounds terrible. Why would I do that? And they're like, it's good for your brain. And you're like, okay, but like it's, it regulates your nervous system. So like there's heat, cold therapy will regulate you time in nature, time with animals. Um, our nervous systems mirror other people's. So if you're around people who are dysregulated all the time, your nervous system will match that. So one way to get regulated is to be with someone else who's regulated. Um, and my boyfriend is extremely regulated. So like anytime I'm around him, I'm instantly calmer, can sleep better, like all these things. So finding ways to regulate that you really enjoy and not feeling like shamed or guilted into taking care of yourself because that's just going to dysregulate you more. I think a lot of people struggle in a wellness journey because they're doing all the things people tell them to do, but they don't like them. And so they're like, why isn't this working? And you're like, because your system hates it. <laughs> like you need to do things that your body actually enjoys in order to like see those results and move forward. 
Um, so that's sort of like my top two, I, I would guess, but that's a lot more than two things that I just said. So y'all can take whatever <laughs> two or three things out of that you want. <laughs> no, that was great. Um, I feel like I picked up on so many things in there that I want to comment on, but I will specifically, I want to talk about the mirroring <laughs> people around you. I just think that that is something that just like had a light bulb moment in my brain of like, oh my God, I've been feeling, I've very much been on like an honoring my body's needs journey. And I have think I've gotten to a much less fight or flight place than I was like two years ago, let's say. Um, and I really noticed when I hang out with people, how I feel after I spend time with them. And like, there are people that I love, but I'm like, I can't spend time with you because I don't know what it is, but I just feel funky and anxious and weird. And I'm wondering, I mean, I'm, I feel like it might be kind of what you're saying where it's like, they have more and thinking through the people, it seems accurate. Like they have more of a dysregulated nervous system. And so my body like picks up on that. Um, is that something that comes with being, a, I mean, I, I would love to get in a little bit more to like, what is a highly sensitive person? Like, what are the symptoms and how does it show up? How do, how can people figure out like beyond just, oh, this resonates with me. Like, oh no, this for sure is me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So to touch on your first point, everyone's nervous system mirrors, that's not just a highly sensitive thing. So, and it's basically like the strongest system wins. So like if someone is super dysregulated, but you are even more grounded and calm, they'll actually start to regulate to you. Um, so that's sort of, I think the progress we see a lot in our healing journey is like at the very beginning, it's really hard to keep a calm state. We keep reverting back over and over. And then the more we practice and the more grounded and regulated we get, we start to shift other people. So like I used to get very dysregulated being with other people. And now when people hang out with me, they're like, I always feel so calm and good after seeing you. Like you just have the best energy. You make me feel so like warm and safe and chill. And so like, I can tell that my nervous system is starting to win out. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that's something that everybody experiences. Um, but in terms of how to know if you're highly sensitive, there is a quiz you can take. Um, so I have one on my website. It's just cowgirlholistic.com. And it's based on the quiz made by Elaine Aaron, who was the original researcher who coined the term highly sensitive person. Um, I adapted mine just a little bit from hers. Um, so you can take it either place. If you Google highly sensitive quiz, you can find it pretty much anywhere. Um, but there's also an acronym that goes with it. Um, the acronym is does. So D stands for depth of processing, um, which is describing the way highly sensitive people process information. So um, as an analogy, if I walked into a room, I would notice everything about it. Like the color of the paint on the walls, the chairs, the texture of the rug, the art, the energy in there, if there's flowers, like if there's dust in the corner, like I notice every single little detail. Someone who's not highly sensitive might notice like, you know, the light in the room and like, is there a place to sit? And like, are there any people in there? Like they're noticing like major things, but not every little thing. And then they'll forget about that. They'll be like, oh, whatever. Like, I don't even remember. Um, whereas like, I'll start to think like, oh, it's dusty in here. I wonder if that person hasn't had time to vacuum. Like, are they okay? Are they like struggling? Cause they haven't had time to vacuum or like, you know, 
it's like, why are there so many dust bunnies? It's always hard to keep up with that. Like my brain starts to like extrapolate on every little detail about that and process it really deeply. So I connect it to like everything I've ever experienced. And then I start to think in future terms, like how is this going to affect, you know, the future or like things like that. So we're taking in a lot of information, but then we're also processing it so much more deeply than other people. Um, And that leads to the next letter in the acronym, which is O for overstimulation. So highly sensitive people get overstimulated very easily. And because we're taking in so much information, um, I kind of describe it like a normal person, normal. When I say normal, big quotation marks, because like what is (laughs) normal, right? I don't know that that exists, but y'all know what I mean. When a normal person, it's like a normal person drinking a glass of water and they're taking sips of life. And a highly sensitive person is getting like the whole glass is being dumped on their face (laughs) at once. It's like, there's so much information coming at you and there's like no filter. We're seeing it all. So we get overstimulated very easily. And that leads to like sensory overload. And this just like feeling of being super frazzled and overworked. It's often kind of like a really hyper, but tired feeling at the same time. Um, And And that can lead to, you know, anxiety, complete shutdown. Um, For me, I get like really glazed over um, and kind of distant. And I also get really grumpy. Um, And things like, uh, like your bodily functions can also add to overstimulation. So thirst and hunger are overstimulating. They add to that sensory overload. So I get hanger really, really badly. And that finally clicked when I realized that that was a part of overstimulation. I was was like, no wonder I get so angry. Like my sister, it's like the last straw. Um, And then E in the acronym is for empathy and emotional reactivity. So highly sensitive people are extremely empathetic. Um, I believe that all highly sensitive people are empaths, but not all empaths are highly sensitive people. Some people say the opposite. The reason I say that is because Empathy is such a big part of being a highly sensitive person, but I know empaths who don't have any type of sensory issues or overstimulation or things like that, Um, but to each their own. Some people also think that highly sensitive and empaths are the same exact thing, but regardless, highly sensitive people have really deep empathy and then also um, more emotional reactivity. So not that we're like overly reactive all the time, but we just, our emotions hit harder and deeper and we have more of a reaction to that whether that's something that other people perceive or not it could be within us and then the last letter in the acronym is s which stands for sensing the subtle and that's really taking in all of these tiny little changes that other people aren't perceiving so tiny shifts in facial expression or someone's energy or their tone or the temperature in the room when the seasons change like i notice as soon as the light starts to change from like super yellow summer to like that slight more like orangey fall, it's like, I like notice it immediately, things like that. So just sensing really, really subtle changes. Um, So the acronym does can be a good way to see if you're a highly sensitive person, but there is also the quiz that you can take. Mm -hmm. I love, I also like when you're answering earlier, you're talking about this, it's, almost ironic you're talking about this concept of like I should and 
highly sensitive people are going to be more people pleasers, more empathetic, more feeling that they should do things to make people happy. But then it also like furthers their like negative symptoms of being highly sensitive. Like it pushes them further away from being able to honor their own needs. And I feel like that's such, it's like, how do you even escape that? How do you challenge the concept of like, oh, I should do this. I want to be a good friend and I want to be there for them. But like, it's ultimately not good for me. Um, How have you dealt with breaking the I should? Yeah, I always say it's a shame when we get a case of the shoulds, um, which I have all the time. I'm like, I really should do this. Um, One little exercise I've, I've done is replace should with desire. If you say, I should text my friend right now, if you replace it and say, I desire to text my friend right now, is it still true? Mm. And then decide from there. And of course, we can't just drop everything we don't want to do in life and be like, I'm sensitive, so I don't want to do this. Like, it's not about that. It's being conscious of what you're doing and making really mindful choices. And so that phrase helped me a lot, that little exercise. And then also just building up my own self-worth and realizing that I deserve to feel just as good as anybody else. And I deserve support just like anybody else. And I can't keep sacrificing. Like for me, it was my health. I was like, I can either make these changes and heal and stand in my self-worth and thrive, or I can become more and more ill for the rest of my life and never reach who I know I can be and should be. And so I had to do a lot of work around self-worth and confidence and having feeling empowered to say no to things or to shift the way I was engaging with people. Um, And then also learning how to set boundaries. Um, I had to set a lot of boundaries with my family because I was kind of the family peacekeeper for a long time. And I was in the middle of everything. And I was like, I'm opting out. (laughs) Like I have done my work here. This is not resolving. It's making me sick and I can't do it anymore. Like if you have like a one-off thing that you want to talk about, like I'm always here for you, but I'm no longer going to be the family secret keeper. And like in the middle of everything, it's not something that I can do anymore. Um, And so, yeah, I think building up self-worth and then setting reasonable boundaries that will help to protect you. And you can still be a great friend and a great family member and very caring. You just don't need to do it at the sacrifice of your own well-being. Like it's, it can be really small changes. Like instead of always picking up the phone when someone calls who you know needs to vent, Mm -hmm. not answering that phone call and then making sure that you're in a place where you can hold that for them and then calling them back or being like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I can't talk today. Like feel free to drop in the texts, whatever you're going through. And I'll respond like tomorrow when I have time and like space to do that for you. So it's just being more mindful about how you're engaging and when you're allowing your own needs to come first. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of something that Autumn and I have talked about on the podcast. And like, I heard from a woman I very much respect who (laughs) said like, you only have so many fucks to give out in a day. So like, take account of like, you don't have unlimited fucks. Like who are you giving them out to? And I think it sounds like maybe a highly sensitive person has less fucks to give out. <laughs> like, they can't just keep giving them out. And I think 
<laughs> when I think about my week, like if I have work, I'm I'm like going to be much less likely to call my friends after and check in on them because I'm going to be tired from the day. And like, I can't just be like, I'm tired. So I'm not going to work. Like I have to work. But on the weekend when I don't have anything to do, I'm like, okay, no, I can like plan a podcast recording or like catch up with one of my friends. Like I have more kind of space where I'm like, I have more time to do all the things that I need to do to refuel. So I can give out more of my time to things that are maybe for other people or like maybe typically harder for me. So that just reminded me of that when you're saying that, like, it sounds like you just have to be a little bit more strategic about when and where and to who you're giving out. You're giving out your fucks. <laughs> um, I would love to talk about one last thing before we wrap up. Um, I, it sounds like you, well, I guess you, this was part of your journey. So one of the things we want to talk about is being a highly sensitive person in the workplace because it mm-hmm. feels like especially early in career, it's a lot harder to have boundaries to be like, I see a lot of senior leaders at my company talking about mental health, which is amazing. And I love that that's like an open conversation at work, but I don't feel as comfortable being like, Hey, I struggle with ADHD. And like, this is how it impacts my work. Like people will be like, okay, like do your job. (laughs) (laughs) So, So how do you handle being highly sensitive in the workplace where it's like a little bit kind of of a different dynamic? Yeah, that was a journey for me. Um, So before I started my own business, I was in corporate and startups for four years. um, And I was a community manager. So half of my most of my job was customer service. And then a large part of it was like marketing and events. And my very first job, I was so burnt out and had like, no good boundaries. And I was on high alert for months starting that job because it was my first job. It was in New York City. I worked in one of the World Trade Centers and it just felt like this like fancy big girl job. And I was so panicked that I was going to get fired. And I so like my my like energy and like intuitive radar was like fully open. I was like I need to catch everything so that I don't mess up. And that was so draining for me. And it got to a point where I just couldn't do that job anymore. Um, so I left, I love my team and everything. And what's funny is when I left, they, they were so cute. They made a little list that was like 27 ways working with Lily is the best, which is like to this day, one of the sweetest things I've ever received. And one of my coworkers who I'm still friends with was like, you always seem so calm and collected. Like, I wish I knew your secret to always being so centered and grounded. <laughs> And I was like, lol, I've had an anxiety attack like every single day at this job since I started. <laughs> um, so apparently I was good at at masking it. Um, but I needed to have that experience to know what I couldn't do. Like it worked for me for a while. I also have ADHD. So like that kind of intense work environment worked for my brain, but it did not work for my nervous system. And so... I recognize that and I intentionally chose a job the next time around that was not going to give me the work of three people. Um, Like when I interviewed, I was like, here's what I'm willing to do. Like, here's my job description and what I do. And I'm not doing more than that. And I also asked the universe, I was like, please bring me a job that will better serve me and allow me to be healthy. And that job was great. It was a lot you know, less hectic. So I think you need to be mindful about what you're looking for in a job and like 
anytime a job description says fast paced or like roll up your sleeves or like any of those like little hints that like it's going to be kind of a nightmare and like a lot of <laughs> last minute work and stuff I'm like eh, I don't think that's going to be a fit for me not that I can't do that because I absolutely can but it's just not good for me um so being mindful of what types of jobs you're looking for and like really feeling the energy of your managers so that makes a really big difference to me I think I pick up a lot on how my manager is feeling. So at my first job, my manager was very frenetic and very anxious. And I could, even when I was working remotely, I could feel that if she was online for the day, like I was really jacked up. And when she would take a day off, I I felt so much calmer. So I really looked for calm, grounded managers who would set that energy for the team. And eventually got to a point where I was much better at communicating my needs and my boundaries. So like my last job that I had, my manager, they actually had a really cool setup. They didn't have any managers. We just had coaches. So there was no hierarchy. And my coach was like, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to make sure that you're thriving and that you're enjoying your job and that you're getting the most out of this experience. And so I told him very upfront, I was like, I'm a highly sensitive person. I have like trauma from my last job because I had a terrible manager right before that. And I was like, I also have ADHD. So like these things are going to show up and I'm aware of them and I'm working on them and like, they're not going to hinder my work, but I want you to be aware of them so that you know what's going on with me. And he was very receptive and open to that. So I think letting people know what's going on with you, I think it can be scary because you think that they're just not going to care or they're going to be like, then you're not doing as good at your job. But I think letting them know what's going on and then still doing your job and doing really, really well, like they will come to learn that that's not hindering you. It's just something to be aware of. So I always try to be very open, but not in a way where I'm like, I need to do less work or less, you know, I need these huge accommodations. I'm just like, just FYI, like this is why I might react this way sometimes or like need to not work this weekend or something. Well, props to you for having the confidence and the courage in an interview to be like, mm, I'm actually going to only do these things. If you want <laughs> someone else, like that's cool, but this is what I'm going to do, especially because that was what your second job. So you're young, like having, I feel like I've struggled being young in career. I just, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to be the best and do it all. Like, just give me a chance and I'll show you that I'll do everything. When in reality, like, that's only going to hurt me. Like I probably will do it all and they will give it all to me, but like at what cost? Mm -hmm. So I want to be like you when I grow up. That's amazing. (laughs) I kind of wanted um, to do like a little rapid fire. Like what are your favorite top three supplements, top three, like non-negotiables that you do every day to make yourself feel good. And then um, maybe like your favorite books for health or for just life. I don't know. It could could be a fiction book, literally anything. Um, Kind of your top three for each of those categories. Yes. Okay. Top three supplements. Um, There's no like one herb or anything that I like specifically. Um, If I did have to pick one, it would probably be ashwagandha. Um, Very good for stress and lowering cortisol. Um, But my favorite brand is Organic Olivia. 
I'm not like an affiliate for her or anything. I just freaking love her stuff. She's got such good branding and she um, studied herbalism and Chinese medicine. So she's just like very, very knowledgeable about herbs and the system and make sure that everything is ridiculously high quality. So I get pretty much all my herbs from her. Um, and then top three things I do, I do every day or like won't miss out on. Number one is moving my body. Um, a really big shift in my journey was stopping thinking about exercise as a physical thing or like something I needed to do to look good. And I now think of it as like brain medicine. I'm like, I need to take my medicine or my brain's going to fall apart. Like I, (laughs) even if that's just stretching for five minutes or doing like 10 minutes of yoga or something, I love walking. I have a walking pad at my desk. So, um, most days I'll walk for like an hour while I'm working. Um, and then I make sure to eat and drink enough every day. That's really important for me. That sounds so simple, but I will forget. So making sure that I'm nourished and hydrated, um, and not pushing that off for a very long time. I know just a really, really big difference when I doesn't even necessarily matter what I eat. Obviously it's better when I eat really well, but as long as I'm eating in proper intervals and making sure I'm not getting way too hungry. And then Recently, I've been trying to do a daily practice. It took me literally a decade to cement any kind of daily practice. Um, I don't know what kind of like mental or emotional block I had there, but I finally cleared it like a month or two ago. And so every day, usually every morning, I'll burn some Palo Santo and then do a visualization or meditation or just like dance around to some music or listen to affirmations. I listen to beautiful chorus every single day. They have gorgeous affirmation music. Um, And sometimes I'll channel. So like I'll open up and get guidance and and decide what I need to do for that day. So those are my top three. What was the last one you asked? And then just like some books, whether it's fiction or self-help or whatever books they are, like your could be three, could be five, could be 10. I don't know. You mentioned a couple already, but your favorite books. Yeah. I've been reading, uh, why woo woo works, which I love. Um, it's like all the science behind. Yeah. Writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) It's all of the science behind like Reiki and energy work and all the woo woo stuff. Um, I'm a certified woo woo girly it's it's always <laughs> been in me so I loved reading that because I was like finally the science to back up what I know um and I also really loved the book Perfect Health by Deepak Chopra which is all about Ayurveda um I originally was going to become an Ayurvedic coach and then I decided to get my certification in intuitive and spiritual coaching um but I love Ayurveda because it's a really holistic view of health and the body and the way we care for ourselves. And it's not prescriptive. So it's not like you need to do these three things to get better. It's like recognizing how to tune into your body and understand where you're out of balance. And then they give you specific things you can do to balance that. Um, And so I absolutely love that book. It changed the course of my healing journey. Um, And then for fun, I loved the Bridgerton series. I read the entire series. 
um, so good and fun to read. Um, and then a fave always will be Harry Potter. I'm a big Harry Potter nerd. I've got custom book covers for all of them and they're on my bookshelf. So um, I love it. I want to say I love that you were, that there's a book called Why Woo Woo Works. I'm in this <laughs> yoga teacher training program right now, and it's we're six weeks in, so I've been sharing a lot with my cohort. And last night they told me that whenever they hear the word woo woo, they think of me because apparently I've said it so many times in our training. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've become the woo woo girly, and so I'm definitely will be purchasing Why Woo Woo Works. So I'm excited to read it. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a great book. I, I, my aunt took me to like mediums and moon ceremonies and to get my aura picture taken and stuff. When I was a kid, I never went to church. I went to like people who were channeling 4,000 year old dead monks. <laughs> okay, also, so, what color is your aura? Oh, currently I don't know. My boyfriend can actually see auras. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have to ask him. I haven't yeah. in a while. Yeah. Yeah. It changes. You technically have, you technically have like eight layers of your aura Mm -hmm. and you can shift your own aura energy and color. See, we have so much woo-woo to learn. We have so much. (laughs) (laughs) We're, we're woo-woos in training. Yeah, we're (laughs) girls in training. (laughs) It's a fun path. Um, Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. And it's, I think, I don't know. I, I, I just think it, it all makes sense to me. I also love that you said like, you listen to affirmation music because I have been thinking about that recently with like, I think about empowering songs and those stick with me so much better than just like the the person's voice on the podcast being like, you are wonderful. (laughs) It's like going in and out, but like a song, like gets stuck in my head. I don't know if you guys have seen that one going around TikTok. That's like about the fish. Have you guys seen that? It's like if, if I, I were a fish, fish and fish. caught me, yeah. Say, look at that fish shimmering in the sun. Yeah. My boyfriend is so sick of that song. Oh my god, it's the cutest I sing thing it ever. Like every and 10 minutes. Yeah, and it's stuck in my head. And I'm like, this is cute because it's stuck in my head, but it's like basically an affirmation going around in my head all day long. Um, so I'll have to check out what do you say that was? The cor- beautiful, fire? beautiful chorus. They have amazing. Um, many albums and I will not be surprised if I am their literal number one listener for 2023 (laughs) I put them on every single day yeah we'll find out next Spotify wrapped season yeah Yeah. (laughs) you'll have to keep us updated um well this has been amazing thank you so much I feel like Autumn and I are both gonna go and take the highly sensitive person quiz because everything you were saying I was like check check and I knew Autumn was like check check (laughs) so so we're both this was a great episode for both of us um if you want to wrap us up and give yourself a quick shout out where can people find you uh learn your resources etc yes thank you so much this was so fun um really enjoyed getting to know both of you better and speaking to all the invisible people who are on the other end of this channel. Yeah, so you can find me on TikTok is where I'm most active. I am uh, the.holistic.cowgirl. And same thing on Instagram. And then my website is cowgirlholistic.com. If you want to take the highly sensitive quiz, I have that there. And I just launched my online course for highly sensitive people. So it's every major step that I took in my healing journey to find health and wellness and balance and manifest my dream life. 
amazing. Well, thank you so much. Like we said, this was amazing. Um, Thanks to everyone who's listening and we'll see you all next week. Woohoo. <laughs> Woohoo. Thank you.